Truth Barista is a production of High Beam Ministry and uses the imaginary Airzatz coffee shop as its platform to bring you a conversation about a plethora of scintillating topics. We don't shy away from any issue that is plaguing our culture or the church today, whether it's current cultural issues, questions about Bible verses, or even just some banter to encourage you. Dr. Jay Christensen is the Truth Barista, and he and amazing Larry Kutzler brew up highly caffeinated conversations for our day. Grab a cup of joe, pop yourself down in the booth next to us, and get ready to think. The Truth Barista is a production of High Beam Ministry, and it's listener-supported. For more information about The Truth Barista, go to highbeamministry.com. Thanks for listening. And idolatry is anything that comes between you and God. It's where self is preferred over God, so that all of us here can say in one sense we've been guilty at one time or another of idolatry. And God hates idolatry more than any other sin. And under the law of Moses, a man could be stoned to death for engaging in idolatry. Covetousness, the Bible says, is idolatry. If you covet, if you have greed, and it becomes a sin in your life, it can become idolatry. And when the Apostle Paul was walking around in Athens in his day, he looked at a city, the Bible says, given wholly to idolatry. And Paul warned the Corinthian Greeks, flee from idolatry in 1 Corinthians 10. We are bringing a bold statement about Christ. He's our only hope to face the darkness in our day. Thanks for joining us. Dr. J. Christensen, I am so happy because today we're going to talk about one of my favorite themes, and I suppose you're wondering why it's one of my favorite themes, right? Um, are you talking food? <laughs> well, it what? could be. What? It could be, but we're going to talk about idols, and idols has always intrigued me because I've known in the past, and maybe in the present, there's idols in my life, and I have to be honest, self-aware, and say, okay, what is it that I have, what is the admiration on that particular thing that might rival my love and worship of the Lord? A lot of Christians won't go there because they don't want to, right? But we're going to yeah. talk about idols. Yeah. Yes, we will. In fact, what's really interesting that you bring this up is when you mention idols to people, one of the first things that their heads go to is people bowing down to little statues or that scene from the first Indiana Jones movie at the beginning where he's he's grabbing the, that, that gold idol head, you know, that type of thing. Which, by the way, that really encapsulates what idolatry is all about. Now, you may think it's a statue, but I'm looking at what Indiana Jones takes, and it's gold. Now, you have to ask yourself, why does he take it? Because he values it. Mm -hmm. Okay? It's worth something to him. We're going to talk about that worth word as we go through here and how it relates to idolatry. But it's worth something to him because it's an archaeological artifact. It would be worth something to somebody else because it's gold. It's worth something to another person because it could be sold and bring them money. And so now we're starting to get to the heart of idolatry. And the thing I want to say is this, idolatry starts with an I. Ah, I love I. that. Well, so I, in other words, when we start talking idolatry, it's not about that idol, it's about I. Hmm. Idolatry. Me. 
Me. Myself and I. Yeah, and you know, there's a lot of idols. In fact, there was an article put out by Planting Source, I think it's called, but they talked about, you know, the seven idols in America, and I'll go backwards on it. Okay. Kind of set the stage here. The seventh is national security. The sixth is money, riches, and wealth. The fifth is guns. Guns. Wow, that was really yep. a surprise. Uh, number four, the automobile. Number three, fame and celebrity. Number two, collegiate sports. And guess what, Dr. J, what the number one idol in America is, according to this source? Food? <laughs> you must be hungry. No, 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 no. It's sports. It's national sports. It's professional sports. That's the number one idol, according to this group. But there's one that I don't think many people think about, and that is our modern thinking. Our modern thinking has turned into an idol. And why? Because we think we're pretty smart. You know, we've got the internet, we've got more resources and research and data than we've ever had in the history of mankind. I think we think we're pretty doggone smart. However, we're not smart without God, right? That's the beginning That's of true. knowledge, and yeah. I think we need to talk about our modern thinking and how much idol worship goes on with that. So, there you go. Well, I like that we're going to start here, and I'm also going to deflect into a little side rail here, which is kind of like the main track, and then I'm going to come back to what you're saying. But I came across a quote the other day. I was researching information and the flow of information, and the person said that information around the world at this point is doubling something like every two days. Mm. It's just screaming as far as the amount of information being pumped out around the world. And he said, with all that information, we're not very smart. There's a difference between what you know and what you do with what you know. So I look at that and I'm going, yeah, the problem is information can be an idol and a very worthless one. Mm -hmm. Because, okay, so you have information, what are you going to do with it? You know, people have all sorts of information about Jesus, but if you don't do the right thing with that information, that is to surrender yourself to the Lord and pledge allegiance to his kingdom, uh, be born again, as they would say, you know, it's not going to do you any good. You're going to go to hell with a head full of knowledge. So to be smart is to accept Jesus. To be dumb with a lot of information is to ignore that. So <laughs> I, love, that I love the way you put things. But you know, in Daniel, it talks about in the last days, travel will increase and so will knowledge. We're in an era of knowledge today, and that has become an idol. And we're going to talk all about idols. And, and uh, so why don't we begin by talking about the very basis for idols? I'm going to start with the common understanding. Now, God said, you shall have no other gods besides me. Now, this is Exodus 24 through 6, okay? In verse 4, he says, Do not make an idol for yourself, whether in the shape of anything in the heavens above, in other words, a spiritual being, or on the earth below it, a physical thing, or in the waters underneath the earth, another physical thing. You must not bow down to them or worship them. There's that word I want to focus on later, worship. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for their father's sin to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Okay, do you see the parallelism? Idolatry is a form of hating God. Hmm. Now, in Hebrew thinking, well, actually, in Greek thinking, we think love versus hate, emotion. In Hebrew thinking, to love something or to hate something is to prefer something over another thing. Jacob I loved, Esau I hated, says the Lord. Well, it doesn't mean he hated Esau. It means he preferred Jacob over Esau. Jesus said, if you don't hate your family, you can't follow me. What he's saying is, I need to be 
first and foremost in your life, okay? Go ahead. Well, I'm thinking when you talk about idols in the way you are talking about it, you're talking about relationship. You know, if God didn't want a relationship with us, two entities loving each other, it wouldn't matter. I, I mean, I, that's kind of abstract in a way, but but it isn't because idol worship is a relationship with something that replaces God. So relationship uh. plays a part in all of this because we are emotional, relational beings. Am I right or wrong? You are absolutely right. And what this boils down to, and the reason that God is saying, don't put anything before me is that God is trying to, in this interim period between Eden and Eden restored in the book of Revelation, in this interim period, he's trying to restore the relationship we had with him that we had in the beginning in Eden. Now, follow me on this, okay? Okay. God created humanity and put them in a garden, Eden, and it was a place of absolute protection, provision, which meant security, safety, assurance. You, you never had to worry about your food running out. And most of all, being in the presence of God. Eden was the place on earth where the spiritual realm and the physical realm interlocked. Because we see God, a spirit being, walking with Adam and Eve in the garden. We see Satan, a spiritual being, clocking to Eve in the garden. So this is a place where the physical and the spiritual worlds meshed together. I don't want to even say they overlapped. They literally blended together in Eden. Now, why is that so important? Because in Eden, humanity experienced God's protection, his provision, his assurance because of his presence. Did you get that? I did. Protection, provision, his assurance because of his presence. What happened when Adam and Eve sinned? They were booted out of the garden, which means suddenly the spiritual realm and the physical realm separated. And now in the physical realm, we're missing that real tangible presence of God. And yet every person knows there's an element of us, our spirit being, that longs to reconnect with that spiritual realm. And so now, because we're out of God's presence, we've lost his protection, his provision, and his assurance. So now... We're going to look for something else to replace God that would provide protection, all that we need, and assurance. That's the heart of idolatry. Now, whether it's looking to another spiritual being, or whether it's looking to a spiritual being represented by a little statuette or something, or it's looking to our own strength and ability, those are idols. Those are things that replace God. And the reason that we're so frantic about it and so driven to idolatry is because of our fear of harm or death. Hmm. Now, let me explain that. When Adam was kicked out of the garden, God said, oh, you're, gonna, you're still going to take care of the earth, right? You're still going to farm. You're still going to look for food. But you're going to do it by the sweat of your brow. And that's an ancient saying regarding fear. Because when people fear, they sweat. It's not just when they, you know, work at farm work or whatever. So basically what God is saying is, you know, in your new state, you're going to be afraid you're not going to have enough. You're going to be afraid because you're not protected. That assurance that you had is gone. You're going to live your whole life in fear. And so now, out of this grasp for security in our lives, we substitute things for God that we think will give us what? Protection, provision, 
and assurance. And those are the little gods that become idols in our life. You brought up the idea of knowledge. Do we look to knowledge to protect us? Do we look to knowledge to provide for us? Do we look toward knowledge to assure us? Well, if we do that without God's voice in the matter, without knowledge of God first, and then God's knowledge second, and earthly knowledge third, guess what, folks? We've made knowledge our idol. Wow. That's why I love you, Dr. J, because you just kind of break things down into simple nuggets that people like me can chew on and, and digest. I love that idea. In fact, I've never heard that before, Dr. J, that the well, sweat let's... of your brow is really a, an idiom for fear. Because the world is sweating profusely about everything. I mean, just look what we've been through with COVID-19. Fear, fear, fear. We're still in a state of fear. So I love that idea that you explained about fear. But idols are everywhere. And a lot of it is because we fear. Very good point. Now, let's jump the gun a little bit here. Let's. I, I like what you said when you brought up COVID. When we were facing the COVID pandemic, we were facing an unknown, number one. And number two, because it was unknown, we didn't know how infectious it was. We didn't know how deadly it was or harmful it was. Now, in retrospect, as it was happening, I was watching, I was serving as a pastor at the time while I was doing the Truth Barista podcast. And as a pastor during late 2019 and 2020, I was watching COVID going, COVID looks like a flu to me. Hmm. And then I would look at people who had gone through it without being hospitalized going, man, that can be a really serious flu. Over time, the various strains started to lessen and lessen in intensity because that's what happens when viruses morph over time. And pretty soon, COVID just, to me, looks like mostly a cold. However, because of the unknown, there were certain bad actors around the world, primarily governments and certain corporations, that stoked the fear, okay? So we demanded protection, we demanded provision, and we demanded assurance, right? Those three things we look at from God, and a sense of presence. So what happens? The government steps in and says, hey, I'll protect you. I'll provide for you. I'll reassure you. Mm. I will be your ever-present overlord. And in many cases, the government really stormed God's castle and tried to kick God off the throne in many people's lives. For people who didn't follow, you know, who aren't born-again Christians following God, I, mean, they just, I saw them all over. They were panicking. They were masked, double-masked, triple-masked, N95, Tyvek suit stuff. And I'm looking around going, this is for a cold? Granted, I'm not making light of the people who were harmed or died because of this. Okay, please don't misunderstand me. But in normal experience, okay, I was looking around going, if the government won't protect them, then I'm going to protect myself. The first thing I did is I went to God and I was saying, how serious is this? And I started getting this reassurance, just be smart. Just be wise. Use normal protective practices. So even though I was providing protection for myself and provision for myself, it was at the Lord's direction, so I was still putting him first. Mm. See, so I wasn't making an idol out of myself or out of the government or anybody else. It was God first and then wisdom that came from him. Well, Dr. J., you know, when I began to think about whether it was covid or the fires in Canada, or the fires on Maui that we are seeing. You know, some people say, well, that's the judgment of God. I'm not so sure about that, but that's an interesting thought. However, they are signs. They're signs to us that says something that, listen, you can't fight against certain things. You can't control certain things. Only God can do that. 
And it's just a reminder that, look, a fire out of control, you may have the best fire department in the world, but you may not be able to contain it or viruses or whatever it may be. I think it's a reminder, hey, time is short. Get your act together. Start thinking differently about God, your life, your idols, all of those things. Right. In other words, what I'm hearing you saying is, ultimately, we have to look to the Lord and the Lord first. Absolutely. That's it. Well, and that's the definition of idolatry. That feeds into it. In the Old Testament, it was worshiping any god other than Jehovah. In the New Testament, it extends any sort of trust or confidence or reliance upon anything other than God, such as our desires, our abilities, our possessions, whatever. But simply put, idolatry is this. Anything that we substitute for God, or, here's another definition, worshiping someone or something other than God as though it were God. Hmm. And so this gets back to Eden, okay? We look to God for protection, provision, assurance, and his presence. But then, if we don't get it from him, then we go in search of it ourselves. And here's the tricky part. Remember I said that the spiritual world and the physical world intersected in Eden, and then they separated, so to speak. There's a a wall between us. That doesn't mean God can't enter the physical world. It's all his domain. The king can walk where he wants to walk, right? However, we're limited to the physical plane. One of the things God says about idolatry and why we shouldn't partake in it is he goes, it's not allowed for you to dip into the spiritual world other than through me. Mm. See, access right there. You, the only way that we are allowed to access or connect with the spiritual world is through him. Because if we do it through any other means, we open ourselves up to spiritual entities, demonic forces, satanic forces, whatever, that will harm us. And so God is going, when you're participating in idolatry at that, you know, trying to enter the spiritual world, you're really begging for trouble. And so we look at some of the things you're talking about. God can act within the material world to warn us, saying, you're depending on things when you should be depending on me. You're depending on yourself when you should be depending on me. God constantly reminds us how dependent we are on him and how dependent we should be on him. And so he allows certain situations and to come into our lives. We don't like it. But when we hit those points where we come up short, what do most people do? They turn to God because in their heart, whether they know him personally or not, there's this cry to our maker, our creator, Mm. you've got to help me. It's kind of like the hologram from Star Wars with with Carrie Fisher's Leia. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You are my only hope or you're our only hope. Well, that's kind of the way it is. When we get into trouble, it's like, oh, God, help. You're my only help. And God's going, okay, now that you've kicked the idols out of the way, let's get to work. You know, you have taught me over the years as we've been doing podcasts and radio broadcasts and so forth, that the number one issue with ancient Israel, amongst many things, but the number one I think you have taught me is idols or idol worship. Their abandonment of God who cared for them, delivered them 
gave them laws and all the other things that go along with developing a spiritual life in relationship with God. They abandoned it for other things in the world, the idols of the nations around them. And we should learn from that because it didn't bode well for Israel, right? It just didn't. That's putting it mildly. (laughs) Yes, I know. (laughs) Multitudes died because of idolatry, because of, you know, in in the wilderness when they turned away from God, what happened? You turn away from the source of life, you die. Hmm. And sometimes that comes as judgment at God's hand. Other time, you turn away from the source of life, then what happens to you? You've brought upon yourself. In Israel, ancient Israel, when they turned away from the Lord, God used another nation, by the way, a highly idolatrous nation, Babylon, to come in and not only spank his people through warfare, I mean, there was intense famine, destruction, and disease when it happens, but then Babylon took the remaining Judahites, which became the Jewish people, the Judahites from Israel, and brought them over to Babylon, and here they were, a people being punished for idolatry by being in a place of the most idolatry. In other words, God was saying, oh, you want idols? Oh, I'll give you idols. I'll cram them down your throat. Wow. Now, that's an interesting verse. You look at the Bible, that's kind of, you're going to be eating, sleeping, breathing idolatry. That's perfect. I've never heard that. God saying, I'm going to shove these down your throat. (laughs) Well, and think of this, too. Well, and this is kind of like, you know, Israel was complaining about provision in the wilderness, right? I'm switching back quite a few hundred years. They're complaining about provision in the wilderness. And in other words, they're looking to, who's going to provide to us? We don't have anybody to provide for us. And God's going, um, excuse me, over here, I'm I'm like the supreme God. I can help you anytime. <laughs> I can give you anything you want. <laughs> You're not good enough. You can't take care of us. And God says, oh, oh. Okay, challenge accepted. And he sends a bunch of quail around there, and the people in their urgings, which is the thing that was getting them to crash talk God, and potentially lead them into idolatry. You see, the Lord has to keep their focus on him so they don't turn to idols. Mm -hmm. So this is what God was establishing in the wilderness. Trust me and me alone. So he goes, oh, let me show you how I can provide. It gives them all these quail. In their urgings, they stuff themselves with this quail meat, and it says, and even while the meat was between their teeth, they died. Mm. See, when we go after idols, we allow idols to give us more than we need or even want to the point where we'll choke on it, and it can ultimately kill us. If we look to God, he gives us exactly what we need at the right time, in a way that's best for us. So, going back to Babylon, this is what God was doing to the Jews as punishment. You want idols? I'll give you idols till you're sick of them. And when they came back from Babylon, idolatry had effectively been erased from the nation of Israel. You know, this reminds me of Romans 1, Dr. J, because it says there in the last days, of course, the people will want their own way. And God will back away and say, okay, I will give you the idols or your desires in your heart. And I think that's what he's done and how and what we see today in our world. It's God backing away, allowing mankind to have his or her own way. And we have seen how disastrous that has become. It's because of idols. Exactly. Romans 1 is the heartbeat of idolatry. God says, you turn away from me, I'll turn you over to the idol of yourself, the I, you know, the big I right there, and look what happens. He goes, you start making an idol out of yourself for sexual pleasure and provision 
And because you're the big I idol in your life, you get offended and you start doing all sorts of horrible things in life. I mean, let's play a little game in the last little time that we have here, okay? Oh, I love games. Let's talk about idols. Protection idols, provision idols, presence idols, and assurance idols. These are the things we lost, these areas in the garden, and we substitute many things in place of these, in place of God, to give us what we want. So, what are some of the idols that you look to to for protection in your life? Very quickly. Government. Government, exactly. How about our, our IRA? And our retirement accounts, our bank accounts, okay, our, our military, our police force, our social network. And how about the lottery? L- look how people play that. Exactly. So we're looking for protection in all of these ways. Maybe we should ask God first, you know, for how do you want to protect us, Lord? Here's another one. Provision. Same thing. Government, welfare, all of these programs that are out there. We look at our jobs as our idol. We have to understand God wants us to work to provide for ourselves. He doesn't want to just us to just sit there. But we should ask him first, put him in charge of our provision. If that's through the job, then we should work it with all of our might. What about presence? We're missing the Lord's presence, but don't we fill our lives with intimate pleasures from people? You have people hopping from bed to bed. You have people who make idols out of their friends and their families. Those are presence idols. Here's an assurance Idol. The insurance agencies are assurance. Why? Because it guards us against fear. What if something happens to my house? How am I going to pay for it? Ah, you know, so the assurance, all of these things, presence, protection, provision, assurance, all of these things come from God, but we try to do it in our own strength apart from God. So what are we doing? We're trying to recreate Eden in our own strength. And we're missing the God who created it in the first place. Well, Dr. J, I think you've made your case. I know we've got more to come in terms of idol worship or the idols in our lives. Give us a last word before we close things down for the day. Well, uh, the thing that comes to mind is when all of these things face us and we're looking out proverbially, metaphorically in our lives toward troubles, dangers, fears, insecurities, all these things that are coming, shortfall, the first thing we need to do is close our eyes and look to God. For He is the one who gives us protection, provision, assurance, and the presence that we crave. Hey, Truth Barista Show listeners, this is Dr. Jay Christensen. Cruising Through the Bible is High Beam Ministries' year-round Bible reading schedule and commentary. All you have to do is follow the schedule in the book and read a few chapters of the Bible every day. Then, check out my thoughts on the day's reading. Now, I get it. The Bible is often hard to understand because it's written for ancient and first century people, and we're only about 2,000 years removed from them. That's why I wrote Cruising Through the Bible, to help you understand what you're reading and to connect what you've read with the rest of the Bible and make God's Word a part of your life. So, take the challenge. You'll find Cruising Through the Bible on Amazon.com. Go to Amazon.com, search Cruising Through the Bible, and you'll find it in monthly installments for print or Kindle. No huge commitment, although as a follower of Jesus, you really should know His whole Word. Am I right? Yes, I'm right. But 
Dr. J, what if I miss the beginning? What if I miss a day? Well, that's the beauty of it. You can jump in anytime you want. Remember, God's Word is alive, and no matter what you read, even the tough or the weird-to-you part, God will still speak to you and into your life. So, take the Read Through the Bible in a Year Challenge, and let me help you. Go to Amazon.com, type in Cruisin' Through the Bible, and get started now. Oh, and coffee. Don't forget coffee. Coffee helps a lot. Okay, fine. Tea's good too. So just start cruising through the Bible today. Get High Beam Ministries cruising through the Bible on Amazon.com. the truth today? Dr. Jay Christensen is the truth barista and the founder of High Beam Ministry. Jay is a creative person who wants to use the setting of an imaginary cafe to produce a series of radio and internet programs that confront the issues of our day through the lens of the Bible. The Truth Barista was the avenue that was developed to communicate truth using the Bible as the source of our information. The Truth Barista is a production of High Beam Ministry and can be found online at highbeamministry.com.